It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, sometimes it feels like we've run out of words to talk about how awesome Pascal Siakam has become. But guess what? We got more words for today as Samson Folk of Raptors Republic is joining me to dig into why Pascal Siakam has been so awesome so far this year. What's different? What is he doing differently than last year? And can he carry this Raptors team to a passable offense? All that, plus a little Christian Coloco talk after a wonderful piece by Samson over at Raptors Republic. It's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1298 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, December the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can subscribe to, follow, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we are on YouTube. If you want to go hit the big fat red subscribe button, you can't miss it. It's very much appreciated. It's a great way to support the show as we push towards 3,000 subs over on the tube. So thank you for doing that. And thank you as well to Bet Online, who are bringing you today's episode. Bet Online has got you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And where the podcast starts is by bringing in our pal, Samson Folk from Raptors Republic, who uh, over the years, I think, has been, alongside me, one of the most staunch Pascal Siakam supporters there is. And so on today's show, we're just going to do a little dance and, uh, you know, just talk about how right we always were about Pascal Siakam and dig into how awesome he's been so far this year. Again, as I kind of said off the top there, it feels as though we've run out of things to say about how excellent he is, but uh, I'm sure we can figure something out because it's kind of our job to. Samson Folk, how are you, pal? I'm doing good. Just kind of kicking around. I actually, actually, I have a sprained ankle. 
to be honest. Oh, no. And my voice just recovered from losing it. I'm grinding through the season. I feel <laughs> I feel like an extension of the Raptors in that I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, a bunch of different bodily ills, I suppose. Mm. But uh, we, we're here and we're doing the podcast and I'm excited to talk about Pascal because, quite frankly, uh, maybe like top three player I've ever enjoyed talking about. The intricacies of his game uh, continue to astound and amaze me, I think. Yeah, he is, uh, I think listeners of this podcast know he is one of my favorite Raptors of all time at this point. Maybe just below Kyle Lowry and nobody else at this point, just in terms of dudes whose careers I've enjoyed. And I guess, you know, getting to cover it from start to finish or start to very, very hefty, meaty middle, uh, (laughs) supposed to finish, we're still well off from that. But like, it's just been a really satisfying sort of journey to watch the ups and downs. I always root for dudes who kind of have a big nadir at some point in their career that they bounce back from. Um, And he's just the fact that he plays for the team that I cover every day is pretty sweet. The fact that he's averaging 25, 9, and 7 for the team that I cover every day, also pretty sweet, Samson. And so I guess where we can start with our chat about Pascal today, and again, we're going to get into uh, a little Christian Coloco at the end of the show because Samson wrote a great piece on Christian Coloco with Christian Coloco. Does he get like a co-author credit for it? I'm not sure. Um, But we will dig into that at the end of the show. Pascal, this season, again, 25, 8, Nine, or eight, nine, and seven. He is uh, at a 58 true shooting right now, so very, very efficient on heavy volume, lots of burden, of course, on his shoulders when he's in there. Uh, for you, Samson, is there something that's changed from last year to this year, like substantially to kind of unlock Siakam to even a greater level, or is it maybe just like a refinement of all the stuff we saw him do last year when he made the All-NBA team and was fantastic? Um, you know, what, what are you seeing in terms of differences between this year and last with Pascal? I think it's more so that the Raptors have been able to lean in some of the things that lean harder into some of the things that they discovered last year as Pascal stepped into All-NBA caliber status once again. And he didn't have the whole season last year because mm-hmm. the... The stats right now, I'd imagine, are fairly similar to his stretch run last season. Yeah. I haven't looked at that compared to the, the sample size, but I, I'd imagine they're close enough that I'm not sounding like an insane person right now. The assists are definitely up, but other than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he couldn't play the Hornets, you know, every single time last year. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, it's the rappers being able to lean a little bit harder into some of their switching uh, Fred Van Vliet. I, this isn't me saying that Fred is a selfish player or anything like that, but Fred is a little bit more willing to just give the ball up to Pascal this season as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You couldn't ignore the usage rate. It jumped from 27%, I think, to 33%. The assist percentage is up. The assist to turnover ratio has improved. Points up, assists up, rebounds. Like it's it's everything has trended in a positive direction, and he continues to do it as teams pile on him, not even with single coverage, but with team concepts to try and stop him. And he continues to navigate the tight and confined areas of the court better than everybody in the NBA except for like three guys. And that that can't go uh, overstated, I don't think. Yeah, for sure. I I think I am sort of on, I think where you kind of came down there and that there's not like a ton different necessarily in the way he's operating he's just kind of doing it at a more refined level and you know just like i think my favorite thing with siakam over the last year a couple years is that 
he just seems to kind of know exactly what the defense is going to do in response to everything that he does in a way that he just never did before. And he knows exactly where the next read is going to be or the next two possible reads. And he's probably going to make the right decision out of whatever options are available to him. It's just like a, he's like a marionettist out there just kind of, you know, pulling the strings and everything kind of goes and bends to his whims which you don't see very often in superstar players. Like, it, it is like a superstar thing that he's doing right now. And maybe it's like taking people, even Raptors fans, to kind of warm up and get used to the idea that this is just what Pascal Siakam is now. He's one of the 10 best players alive, and you just got to deal with it. Um, but, like, it's still staggering to see him just kind of walking into these numbers, right? Like, that's, I, I think, the thing that's really kind of standing out is it looks easy a lot of the time. Sure, it seems like the Lakers make it really easy when their best rim protector is Thomas Bryant or whomever. But, hmm. um, you know, for the most part, it, it doesn't seem to matter who the opponents are. And, and like, let me ask you this, Samson. You, I, I you know you're on the beat this year, and so you're probably watching a little bit less of the league, you know, kind of at large just because of your, you know, <laughs> very good job you're doing on the beat. Um, but for you, like, is there even a guy out there in the league, a team out there in the league that you feel like poses an actual sort of obstacle that Siakam has trouble, you know, getting over? It feels it doesn't matter anymore. Whereas you think like a couple of years ago, oh yeah, Siakam's mostly awesome, but oh, okay, sometimes Bam out of bio will give him some trouble or Giannis will give him some trouble. There's some, some teams that kind of present an issue, the Celtics in the bubble, for example. Is he kind of matchup proof at this point, do you find? Or is there a team out there that maybe is sort of like still the Pascal Siakam boogeyman? So he's matchup proof. Mm -hmm. uh, truly, honestly, that's he he can't explode for, you know, I guess like 45 to 60 points the way that a lot of players can. But Unless he's he, playing the Hawks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, like some players can. But mm -hmm. what he can do is game to game will digest every single game plan that comes his way and produce an unbelievable amount of really good shots. And so he's the biggest indicator of superstar status is that when shot making over hard contests or doubles is where you win or lose games because mm -hmm. Pascal will make the right. Re I just talked to him about this the other day. Cause I, and he didn't take the bait and I wasn't trying to bait him or anything, but I was asking after the game against the Celtics, like, you know, do you look at sometimes the process in these games where you're passing out and there's different ways to achieve process on a court, a good process. You can succeed in a number of ways. Do you ever think to yourself, like, man, should I be kind of forcing it a little bit more leaning on my shot making when I'm making the right reads and my teammates aren't hitting? And he was mm -hmm. like, and Pascal, as you said at the top, he doesn't really make mistakes. His reads, his the progression of kind of working through them, uh, how he keeps his dribble alive long enough to, you know, work his way to better reads, to more dangerous ones. Um, he likes his reads. And he was like, no, I'm going to keep doing that. I trust my teammates. But if the teammates don't hit, that is the that's the game plan for other teams. That's how you handle Pascal, is if the other Raptors don't hit their shots, which for teams, luckily, has been actually kind of a thing the past however many <laughs> games. But that's like the the superstar, I guess, like corollary, right? Is how long do you let your teammates miss shots before you kind of, I guess, hit overdrive maybe mm -hmm, and say, mm -hmm. I'm going to try and hit over doubles. And Pascal hasn't gone to that level really yet. He's still in the process of like, 
I'm just going to overwhelm defenses, create great shots for my teammates. And if they leave me in single coverage, I will eviscerate them and leave a stain on their defense that their you know ancestors will understand uh, years from now or something like that. <laughs> Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned the whole, uh, the teammates aren't hitting shots thing. Cause that's kind of where I want to veer into next and, and just sort of dig into whether or not Siakam can kind of drag this offense from the depths it currently occupies to somewhere nearing respectability. Cause I kind of think that's really all this team's got to do is get to somewhere. Okay. In the half court and everything else is going to kind of take care of itself. We're going to get to that and examine that question in just one second and how Pascal's involved before we do that. However, got to tell you about our friends over at master class learning is a forever thing. It's not just something you do when you're in school and you're in your teens and twenties, when your brain's barely even developed, you can keep on doing it for your entire life. And with master class, you can learn from the world's best artists, icons, and leaders anytime, anywhere at your own pace. And you can learn how to do all sorts of amazing things like cook with Gordon Ramsay. What an incredible thing that is. You get to do a class with Gordon Ramsay. He's not going to yell at you because he's in nice Gordon Ramsay mode. Who's a truly delightful television personality when he's not screaming at people about how they're idiot sandwiches. Uh, instead, he's going to be giving you the info on how to make your own sandwiches at home in the best possible way. All sorts of classes available. They're immersive uh, learning experiences. You get sessions, which is a new product from Masterclass as well, allowing for deeper dives into the lessons over a fixed amount of time. Sessions include activities as well as the opportunity to learn alongside a community of peers. Everybody loves that as well. Why not continue? to advance your learning. I highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get one for free. Go to masterclass.com slash locked on today. That's masterclass.com slash locked on terms apply. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire feels like a high stakes wager for your business. You want to be 100% sure that you're hiring the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. It helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's super easy. You go to LinkedIn, pull up your profile, create your job posting, and put the little purple hiring frame around your profile photo. And all of a sudden, the applications are going to come on pouring in. And with their simple tools like screening questions and easy to focus on candidates that it makes it sorry with the screening questions that is it makes it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience so you're not interviewing people who don't fit the bill and instead you're interviewing all the right people for your job it's why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors linkedin jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nba that's linkedin.com slash locked on nba to post your job for free terms and conditions apply all right we continue on here with our uh, pascal siakam love fest with our pal samson folk of raptors republic by the way go subscribe to raptors republic wonderful premium raptors content right there from that guy uh it's really really fantastic you guys are crushing it over there and uh everyone should be supporting independent raptors coverage because honestly where else are you gonna get the coverage baby uh <laughs> espn's not doing it all right samson um 
Pascal, the half-court offense, it still stinks. Uh, not because of Pascal necessarily. In fact, he makes it a little bit better when he's out there because that's what he does. Uh, but as of last check, I haven't checked since last night, but uh, 30th in the NBA per cleaning the glass in points per play in the half-court. That's been, I think, like a bellwether number I've had my eye on all season long. They were in the like 18 to 24 range, oscillating up and down before Siakam got hurt against the Mavericks over the first 10 games or so. Since then... All the way down to the bottom, they have been really bad in the half court. They've made it work, of course. They still win games because they game the possession battle. Their defense has had uh, some pretty good results. But of course, the offense, it feels like, is going to have to come up from 30th if the Raptors want to do anything serious. My question to you, Samson, is... Can Pascal Siakam be the dude who just kind of leads them there, whether it's with creating looks for others that will eventually fall, whether it's kind of taking over as a score more often? Do you think it's there? You know, that's kind of the last step for a superstar, right? Is can you just kind of make this constantly a good offense that needs to be feared? Uh, what is your read on Siakam's capacity to do that? So the the quick number is that per 100 possessions, the Raptors are 12 points uh for under possessions better with pascal on in the half court yeah as far as swings um among forwards that ranks him in the 95th percentile mm -hmm. and that's that Pretty good. is yeah and <laughs> and especially for anybody who watches these games you know that pascal is the sole reason for that happening mm -hmm. he's not he's not part of some insane you know three-point swing where it's like oh yeah he's he's currently correlated with really good shooting from the floor or something like that. It's just, this is a guy going out there making sure that the defense is hemorrhage, good attempts, and he's going to dominate in any capacity. And even just as, as kind of a thing, since we were talking about being unstoppable and you can't game plan for him, I do want to just make this point quick is that Pascal is so hard to stop because he shoots 52% from the short mid range, four to 14 yeah. feet. Mm -hmm. And the 36% from the long mid-range, that's fine. That's like mm -hmm. Luka numbers at the end of shot clock, stuff like that. But for the most part, Pascal can get to 4 to 14 feet. And teams in the NBA don't currently have a scheme to move players away from those. They can guard players in those spaces. Mm -hmm. You can't keep players out of those spaces. And so Pascal, this is both the game plan thing and the half-court thing, is that he currently makes his living, scores extremely efficiently for the area and keeps the Raptors, you know, offense moving in a place on the court that teams currently don't scheme out of offense. Like mm -hmm. he's just, that's why he's so inevitable because he makes teams bring help from places they don't want to bring help to. And he makes shots in the places that they can't take away. He mm -hmm. is, he's singular, dude. He's so great. And mm -hmm. he, he helps the half court offense a lot. It's yeah. Big deal. Yeah, I I have a lot of optimism that the half court offense is going to start to you know climb back up the standings as it were. Uh, now that they're kind of settling in here, and it's just because when Pascal's on the floor, everything feels like it's fine, right? Like it, it's even when guys aren't hitting shots, the process looks good. Uh, he just on unto himself. The way he plays is good process, just walking in human form, and I feel like you know as. Fred and OG and Gary Trent Jr. start to, you know, 
you would figure regress back to the mean. I don't think they're going to be 33% shooters all across the board all season long. That would be really weird if they all had outlier seasons at the same time when they're getting maybe better looks than ever ever been created for them because of all the different threats that are on the floor and because of what Siakam's doing. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like the swing that happens when Siakam's on the floor, that kind of is the story there. And honestly, I, I think too... I'm not sure how you feel about this, Samson, but I have kind of put a little more stock the last couple years into the Raptors' crunch time numbers than maybe you should for a small sample of minutes. But the reason for that is I kind of feel like when they get down to it, in crunch time, that's when they kind of play as the team is intended, right? I feel like in first quarters, a lot of it is, all right, everyone get your shots up, everyone get your looks, like we're just going to kind of ease into this, hunt some mismatches, everyone's going to have their little pockets of the game. When it gets down to it in crunch time, everyone realizes, oh, Siakam, Fred, pick and roll. That's what we do to get where we want to go. And they just run it as intended. And it's fantastic. They have the number two crunch time net rating in the NBA this year. Offensively, they are uh, fourth, like, I, I know it's just 45 minutes and 13 small samples of minutes, you know, put together. So it's not all that telling, but I do think there is something to go off of there. And if they're able to perform when they're kind of, when the chips are down and they know Pascal's the guy that's got to flow through, you would figure as things get heavier, as the season goes along, the stretch drive comes around, they're just going to play that way more often. And that's going to account for a lot of the sort of low hanging fruit they're missing out on, on offense right now. Am I overly optimistic and rose colored glasses about the way the Raptors perform in fourth quarters, Samson? Is this a crazy thing to kind of be leaning my hope and optimism for the half court offense on? If you were just doing like, I, Hey, they have a good, you know, crunch time offense. This is good. I, whatever. Then like, yeah, but you're describing the process of it, right? And mm. I think that's that's accurate, that the Raptors, Pascal Siakam, isn't a traditional pick-and-roll hub like a lot of guards or a lot of offenses in the NBA that you're creating these reads downhill, you can spray to the corner, you're kind of spacing the defense out, and it's a smooth, you know, you get you put the screener, you put your defender behind you, you get downhill, you make your four-on-three reads, all that kind of stuff. Pascal is too slow of a ball handler when he's kind of probing to run pick and roll offense like that. Mm -hmm. And so the Raptors don't really do that during these games like this easygoing open concept, boom, bam, we're going to make reads side, top side. No, that doesn't, that's not what they do. But Pascal Siakam, the dude loves the nitty gritty. Like Mm -hmm. he, he lives for it. And you're absolutely correct that they will spam pick and roll with Pascal Siakam on ball or setting a screen, whichever whichever one yields a better mismatch or a, you know a more favorable advantage, they will lean on that hard. And not only that, but when the Raptors are closing, typically they have better shooting lineups in, or at least lineups mm-hmm. with higher shooting potential. And that means that they're running more weak side actions, like, you know, exit screens and, you know, more shake stuff. And it means that you know they occupy the weak side more often and they get more shots from the weak side, all that kind of stuff. The mm-hmm. process is definitely good. And I like that you say as intended because the Raptors, they are clunky. And like maybe it's not even as intended. It's just that it's more harmonious with the way that the NBA game is played. You know, the mm-hmm. grind ball thing, right? Like yeah. defense has won the last however many championships in the NBA. Raptors defense, Lakers defense, Bucks defense, the Warriors even defense. Mm-hmm. That was a mediocre offensive team last year, believe it or not. <laughs> and 
you know, ever since KD left the Warriors, it's been defense. And that means that it gets real clunky at the end of games. And the Raptors yeah. getting into their little, you know, hey, we're we're not going to run it fast. It's not going to be pretty, but Pascal Siakam is on your head. See if you can guard him. Bring the double. That's death for you. Like that kind of stuff. It makes sense why they succeed late in games. Uh, the process, it might not be the prettiest, but mm -hmm. it's effective for sure. Absolutely. I, I want to just quickly, before we get to Christian Coloco, you mentioned defense, and that's something I feel like hasn't really gotten a ton of airtime for Pascal this season because the offense has just been so, like, smack you in the face good. Uh, and also, I feel like OG being, uh, I mean, what do you even say about that dude on defense? It feels like it just kind of overshadows everybody else, which, fair, uh, he's insane. But what have your impressions been of Siakam on defense this year? For me, it feels like he has to do a little less, and that's a good thing. But like, I don't find myself looking in and being like, oh man, Siakam's been like a total dud defensively tonight. Well, what's your read been on how he's performed on that end of the floor? I think Siakam's been really great defensively, mm -hmm. truthfully. Uh, underrated, as you say, OG for the first time ever is actually stepping out and trying to command the narrative. Mm -hmm. to get the accolades he so deserves, right? Mm -hmm. And so that means that a lot of the attention is kind of focused one way. There's this guy who hasn't been talking, who's finally like, by the way, I think I'm the defensive player of the year. <laughs> and everybody's like, hey, you know, take the mic. You're the guy now. <laughs> and quietly, Pascal Siakam has been guarding all the same guys that OG guards, tr mm -hmm. truthfully. Like mm -hmm. he'll guard, he'll pick up Luca, he'll pick up Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, all uh, Jimmy Butler, right? And he's doing it at less volume, but he's doing it very effectively as well. And as a help side guy, in rotation, he's been tremendous. Uh, this is, I've always had a problem with catch all statistics defensively because I've found that Pascal has always fallen through the cracks. And yeah. that's still the case to some degree. Mm -hmm. He is the ultimate film defender in that. If you don't watch the film, you only look at the numbers. You will not understand an ounce of what Pascal does there. And yeah. despite being asked to do less, I think you're right. You're correct in that. Some of the rotations have been a little bit cleaner from the Raptors, especially from the back line. The point of attack stuff, especially with Fred, has, <laughs> you know, Fred and Gary has been up and down this year with health and all that kind of stuff, both of them. Mm -hmm. And but at the back line, I think that Pascal has been sublime. Not not all defense. I mean, yeah. there's still a guy with a 33% usage rate on the other end who's, <laughs> as we've said earlier, carrying, you know, a half-court offense firmly on his wide shoulders. But mm -hmm. uh, defense, I, I'm very happy with the defense, honestly. I like that you call him the ultimate film defender. I also feel like, to sort of build on that, you don't really appreciate what Siakam does unless you watch all of the games that the team plays and kind of knows what they're doing on defense, right? You can kind of parachute in and see this weird helter-skelter defense and, you know, maybe not totally pick up all the intricacies of it. Intricacies of it. Boy, I don't know the intricacies of speaking words. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it just feels like when you watch him kind of be that mess cleaner uh, for this defense, it really kind of hammers home, oh yeah, this guy is so important to everything they do. And, and frankly, like, I think the existence of Siakam and his ability to cover ground is maybe like the first impetus to maybe build your team out of guys who are all shaped like Pascal Siakam. Like, it, it's, 
he really, I think, is sort of the guy who unlocked the way they play defense to start. He did it before it was cool. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're going to continue on. We're going to get to Christian Coloco as we finish off Cameroon Friday, I suppose, here on the podcast. Uh, dig into Coloco's defensive start to the season in particular. As Samson did a great piece talking with Christian Coloco, watching the film. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first... Got to tell you about our good friends over at betonline.net, the number one source for betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. You can get all the latest trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We got it all on betonline.net. The World Cup is going on, and Saturday is going to be a juicy, juicy day. England and France, it's coming home, or they're going home because France is too good. Either way... You can throw some money down on, uh, if you're an England fan, perhaps, maybe put some money on France. It's the happiness hedge, so if England loses, you still get some scratch out of it. That's the way to be a sports fan in the year of our Lord 2022. And if you love sports podcasts and injury analysis, it's all there for you as well, so you can be the informed wagerer. Head to the website today, use your mobile device, learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we round up the show here with Samson Folk here. Now we're going to dig into Christian Coloco after waxing poetic for 25 minutes about how much Pascal Siakam is rad. Uh, Christian Coloco, not so bad himself. Obviously a rookie. Obviously he's averaging roughly 4,000 fouls per 36 minutes. Uh, obviously it's not sort of night-to-night dependable just yet, but... There is a lot to like. You talk about swings when on the floor. The Raptors' defense, uh, as a rule, is fantastic when Christian Coloco is on the floor this season. Um, you did a piece for Raptors Republic. Everyone go check it out. Again, everyone go subscribe to Raptors Republic. Pay the money. Do the thing. Give a gift subscription. Whatever it is. Um, what did you take away from your chat with Christian Coloco? We're going to put this down in the the link to it down in the, in the show notes as well if you want to read it before. Uh, listening to this conversation, but you dug into sort of, uh, you know, a lot with him in terms of different different possessions, how he was asked to perform on the possessions, what's going on in the sort of inner workings of the Raptors defense. What were your big takeaways from your chat with Christian Coloco? Uh, he has a very good understanding of defense, uh, yeah. of course. <laughs> and I think it was cool to ask him what his responsibilities were in different packages mm-hmm. and also... He didn't take the bait that I wanted him to take when I asked, like, hey, just as as a teaser for the piece, I'll tell everybody his switching numbers are insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talked to Christian and we did some film together for this and we talked about what was happening on screen. But for this, I also watched hours of just pick and roll defense from Christian Coloco 
uh, every single one he's defended this season, rewatched it, um, mm-hmm. hundreds, hundreds of possessions. And the switching stuff, when he's active at the level or above, hedge, switch, jumping guys, he's tremendous. When they mm-hmm. weaponize his mobility, um, they've done really, really well. Now, that could just be the knuckleball effect. That could be that, you know, he really threw a wrench at at James Harden in some of those Philly games and stuff like that. The sample size isn't massive yet. But I think that's one of my biggest things to take away is that he knows how good he is as a mobile big. It's mm-hmm. something he understands. And while he wasn't going to openly say that he should be doing something more defensively and, you know, critique his coaching staff or anything like that, um, <laughs> it was nice that he understands how good he is at that. And he was also, it was cool to watch the film, so much of it, see what was happening, how he was losing possessions as a drop big. Mm-hmm. And for him to, without me telling him, accurately kind of assess, without seeing any of the film that I saw, mm-hmm. what he what were some of the things he was doing wrong. So it's yeah. cool to see that symbiosis between like what I'm seeing and then just what he knows. That was the coolest aspect. Yeah, it's... You know, obviously, this dude's been schooled and how to play defense for a very, very long time. And of course, he's going to know it at a pretty high level. But like to see that sort of it just it was really cool. Very good piece. Very, very cool that you got him to kind of open up about this stuff, because it's not easy to get guys to kind of open up about the the stuff that's happening on the floor. And I think that speaks to, you know, your incredible expertise. I could go to Christian Coloco and be like, hey, want to talk about pick and roll coverages? And he would laugh at me and be like, no, no, dumb, dumb. <laughs> uh, but, you know, obviously you kind of bring that to the table as a beat reporter. And like, that's that's why you do beat reporting, man. It's it's just really, really, really cool. Honestly, kind of reminds me of the few dalliances I had talking to our pal Jakob Pertle back when he was on the Raptors. He was always cool at opening up about this stuff too. Never to, I never, you know, did good reporting with him, but, uh, you know, you'd have little side chats with him and whatnot, and he was fantastic, which kind of leads me to my next question. Christian Coloco's a rookie. The Raptors seem to have some level of ambition this season. What that level of ambition is, I don't totally know, or like, I feel like they could just kind of change with the way the playoff bracket works or whatever, but... Uh, there's obviously been some talk about, hey, should the Raptors go and get themselves like a, a proven rim protector to kind of sure up things? And Jakob Pertl has been a name that I've brought up, mostly because I just want Yak back on the team because he's fun. Um, but also, that rim protection would be quite nice to kind of serve as that backline of defense, help cover up some of the perimeter defense issues that we've seen from guys like Fred and Trent and Scotty Barnes. Um where are you at on the idea of the Raptors needing another rim protector to kind of come in and just maybe fill the void until Coloco is sort of a guy you can count on every single night? I kind of go back and forth on Coloco's good nights. I'm like, why would you do anything but just have this guy out there? He's a monster. And then obviously he'll have games where he'll foul five times in the first 10 minutes and not really impact the action all that much. Um, do you think Coloco is kind of ready to be their go-to rim protection savior option guy because they don't have anyone else hit that size on the team right now or is it maybe a situation where you look towards next season the year after where he's really going to kind of come into his own and there is maybe a need for a bit of a stopgap for now i think that precious answers the purdle question probably right and it could be that i'm too high on precious it it could be that but i Mm -hmm. i do think that precious probably answers that I the most intriguing guy if I was looking for the Raptors to add somebody 
would be like, you know, if the Timberwolves are really unhappy with what's happening there hmm. and it's like Jalen Noel as a shot hmm. creator or sure. a Kyle Kuzma from the Wizards. Kuzma that would be is sick. Kyle, <laughs> that Kuzma, would be sick as hell. Kuzma for years has been a very functional defender with size and length. A mm. guy who draws closeouts, makes decisions going downhill, can get to the bucket when doing so. Super heady cutter. You could just imagine him playing off of Pascal, Thad, OG, Scotty. You know, shoots the ball too. You get some some creation chops. Like that's the guy I would want to aim for rather than a Pirtle. Now I don't know if they're expecting a similar package between the two, but that's I would look for something more in the way of creation on offense hmm. rather than, I guess, uh, a, a drop big defensively because uh, not that not that Pirtle is bad mm-hmm. because, you know, we're, we're currently seeing it, right? Like, Coloco is good on defense. He does enough that the Raptors win his minutes defensively. It's mm-hmm. just the other side of the floor and the fact that there's not there's not punch there. And yeah. while Precious, we have to see what that looks like once he's healthy, gets back into the swing of things, and he can stop carrying the content for open gym on his back by being such a magnetic, <laughs> lovely guy. Truly it, uh, like a savage thing. Not to talk like the kids, but the, the Morocco jersey thing was uh, like really mean to Wancho. It's tough stuff. I, I know if I were Wancho in that spot, I would be uh, like actually mad, I think. <laughs> It was kind of funny. I was at practice that day and we heard screaming. I tweeted this out. I was like, I'm hearing screaming every time Spain misses a penalty and mm-hmm. I can't help but Which assume. was a lot, by the way. Yeah. Uh, just They didn't score a single one and that kicks and those kicks. Yeah. Brutal. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> um, and I was like, I can't help but assume that it's Wancho. And then the open gym came out and it was Wancho. So I was like, oh, that's really funny. But anyway, um, I think that the Raptors need more robust offensive creation from some spots on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care where that comes from because the Raptors are so oddly shaped uh, in how they, you know, operate on offense that mm-hmm. I don't think it matters where it comes from. It just has to be good offensive players. And, uh, you know, Pirtle doesn't really fit the bill as far as that goes. And that's not to, that's not me being low on Pirtle. He's sure. great. I just wonder if, if you're going to spend the, the capital uh, I guess where where that goes it would be. Better. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from there, and, and I do think there are certainly some like clunk related issues if you were to go and get Yaka Pertle, right? Like he's not a shooter. Obviously, he can kind of grease the wheels with his passing, and that's a, a nice thing he's added to his game. And the defense, I mean, I know the numbers, as our pal Joe Wolfon pointed out, like he hasn't been am- been amazing for the Spurs, but also the Spurs of the Spurs, and like how many times can you? defend uncontested forays to the rim uh you know without kind of maybe losing your will to defend them all um so i don't really put a ton of stock in the rim protection numbers for pertle this season but you know the lack of free throws are a thing for sure like how often would he actually close games are you actually getting your sort of capitals worth if you are to do that and bring him in it's uh i the, the offense thing, yeah. Guys who can score buckets, not a bad thing, huh? Uh, <laughs> it would be kind of nice <laughs> to have a few more of them on hand. Um, my last one for you, Samson, Coloco's been starting the last three games here uh, with the sort of core four guys. Thoughts on that as sort of the, the look? I, you know, the starter question doesn't matter as much as the finishing question and all of that, but where are you at with that look? I feel like at times it's maybe looked a little bit sort of, 
just a little too stodgy, but at other times it looks like, oh, who cares if it's stodgy because ain't no one scoring on this group. What's uh, your read on that? I don't think it's the starting lineup that they take into the playoffs or anything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I also think that the starting lineup with Gary does not, they just, they're too small in the front court. Pascal very clearly cannot just wear the center position. Sure. Neither can OG and it's, and neither can Scotty. And that's not that those guys are bad. It's just like there there's physical limitations there. Mm-hmm. They obviously like putting Coloco in there for that reason, but Every starting lineup has been bad, you know? So, oh, yeah. It's like a rule. Getting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not really getting away from anything. I still think Precious is the answer. Uh, I'm still holding on to that ideal. We'll see. Me too, buddy. Again, back. we're both Pascal guys. We're also both Precious guys. Uh, I've been Precious right. pilled, I think, by you. So uh, I'm, I'm going down with the ship, too. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't think they have a an intuitive fix in the starting lineup. I thought the Thad stuff was interesting. I thought the Wancho stuff was interesting. I liked a lot of what Nurse tried, to be honest. Mm. But I don't think there's like a, a home run sitting in there currently. So mm. Coloco getting starts. What the hell? Do your thing. Let the let the young kid get out there, get some blocks, get some fouls, do his thing. That's kind of my approach to it. I don't think there's a, a fix currently. So just whatever. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going to throw Coloco to the Wolves, as it were, doing it with all of the good players around him is probably the time to do it, right? Like, you can kind of set him up for better success that way. Um, You know, it's the Pascal Siakam rookie season thing as well, right? It's uh, the thing they do a lot now that I think about it. Rookie, yeah, get in there. Just go uh, do your thing. Make mistakes, get messy. The whole Miss Frizzle thing. Uh, We're going to round it up there. Samson, thanks so much for hanging, man. This is always great to have you on the show. I'll have to get back on your show at some point here soon, too. Um, In the meantime, though, where can people check out all your amazing work? People know the place. We've said it a million times, but say it again. I'll say quickly that I don't blame anyone for this uh, reader, anything like that, but the Coloco piece has another uh, byline. Like, there's Lewis has a whole Lewis has like Lewis Lewis broke down all of Coloco's offense from like screen setting, trying to go after lobs, all this kind of stuff, offensive rebounding. And I understand why, because I don't know if they do like the timing of like e-readers or whatever, mm. but there, I think just in the film alone that I put in the Coloco piece, there's like 12 minutes of basketball happening on right. in the piece. There's right. also probably like 20 minutes of written work. So mm-hmm. You have to read or like do like 30 minutes of reading before you get to Lewis's part. So go read Lewis's part as well, is what I would say. Yeah, read Lewis's part too, even though Lewis, but yeah, you know, we love Lewis. Lewis. Uh, also a regular guest on the podcast, unless I've just alienated him forever, in which case, no, maybe <laughs> not. Uh, but no, you guys are killing it over there. Really, really, if you're a Raptors fan and you're not taking in Raptors Republic's coverage this year, you're missing out. And uh, I don't know what, you're the hell, what the hell you're doing. We're going to round it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, subscribe, follow, rate, review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. As always, we're on YouTube. You can go hit the big red subscribe button over there as well to support the show that way now go make your second listen of the day locked on leafs as the buds are really good they don't lose at all and our pals mike and dave are doing a great job breaking it all down as it turns out they were fine all along we will uh be back again on monday break down the games against the magic i guess uh have a good weekend if you're gonna take a couple days to uh i guess no watching bull bulls fun watching the weirdo magic is fun even if they're terrible um but uh yeah anyway we'll be back monday to talk about those games and uh start off another week talk to you then Bye bye
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.